All right, we are live. I am Brent Leary. My first, a few good minutes of the week. Well, it is Monday, so, you know. But I've been waiting for a, a while to have this conversation because my guest is Lori Castillo-Martinez. He is the chief, uh, excuse me, I want to make sure I get all this right. Is it EVP or SVP? EVP. EVP and Chief Equality Officer for Salesforce. Lori, thank you so much for making time to have this conversation today. Uh, it's fabulous to be here. Absolutely. And so I was mentioning before we went, uh, we started broadcasting that I, I've been you know, working and, and kind of following Salesforce for, well, a long time. As you can see by the hairs on my chinny chin chin. A lot of gray in there. So been following it for a while. Uh, and I, I think I went to my first Dreamforce in 2004 or thereabouts. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. And, and I just I just realized that this year marks the 20th anniversary of Dreamforce. So there's there's a lot of stuff going on here. Uh, but one of the areas that I, I it kind of kind of brought home to me just how important DEI is to Salesforce. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna play you this, this uh, clip and then we'll come back. So this is the moment, this is about four years ago and it was at a Dreamforce. All right, here to tell the story of Marriott is Tony Profit. In this fourth industrial revolution, everything will be connected from sales to service, to marketing, to commerce, Everything connected, but with the customer at the center. That's the inspiration behind our customer success platform. Let's open up the Marriott app on my phone. At the top, you can see I've got a business trip next week to Seattle. I'm going up there for Out and Equal. And that is the world's largest workplace-oriented LGBTQ gathering. So I'm really excited about that. That's going to be tremendous. Yeah, that's worthy of a round of applause. Absolutely. It'd be fantastic. We expect over 5,000 people there. Okay, so I wanted to play this clip. This was Dreamforce 2018. Now, I've been, uh, you know, working in tech, gosh, I think around 30 years at this point. Uh, so I have been, I know, kind of shocks myself when I say it like that, but it, it's true. So I got to go with it. So I it's have only, been. It's only Brent. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to roll with you. So it's there's been decades of me going to tech events, speaking at tech events, um, hearing about digital divide and he, kind of hearing a lot of talk around, you know, we're going to change things. They never changed. Or, or they maybe you took one step forward and it felt like you were taking at least three quarters of a step back. Um, so. The reason why I love that clip, it's because Tony Prophet, who was the person featured in the clip, yeah. he was the, the, I think the first chief equality officer for Salesforce. And I had, right. an I had an opportunity to speak with Tony on a number of occasions. And that 2018 clip, that was Dreamforce 2018. It was at the main keynote. And the reason why that resonated with me is because there's Tony up front and center in front of like 15, 20,000 people. And I was in that audience. And he was talking about the product, the platform, the company. He is the chief equality officer, but he was 
fully integrated into the main keynote doing one of the most significant uh, product demos because they were talking about Einstein and, and, and uh, voice. Right. And he wasn't there talking about equality and DEI, but if you notice, even in his keynote that was a demo, he talked about how he had to go to Seattle for the LBGTQ conference. So right. it was all brought home and it was fully integrated. And that's where I, that moment where it hit me is like, Salesforce really does get it because they're not treating DEI as a nope. separate silo that is not really a part of the business. They had it fully integrated into that discussion and into the business. And that's when I was like, yeah, Salesforce really gets it. And, and so uh, it's so much of a pleasure to have you on board. And I'm just curious, uh, you know, so are, are we going to be seeing you at Dreamforce doing some stuff? <laughs> you might see me on a couple of areas. I'm still getting my feet wet six months into this job, but uh, <laughs> you, you'll see me in a couple of spots. <laughs> I got to say, Christy, thank you for lying to me. I really do appreciate it. <laughs> That's what friends are for. Uh, Martin, good to see you, mister. Good to see you there as well. So, Lori, uh, let's talk about what does matter of fact let me let me play another clip and this is with you oh goodness uh, <laughs> hey look I, I try to i try to do some research this is you from a virtual event last year and it kind of sets the stage for uh kind of the questions i have for you at salesforce the past 18 months has been one of intense reflection learning and transformation the pandemic and racial reckoning shined a light on systemic inequalities across our society and we felt we had an urgent responsibility to act. So last year, we established a racial equality and justice task force to accelerate our efforts around racial equality and justice across four core pillars, people, purchasing, philanthropy, and policy. And since June 2020, we've donated more than 38 million to advance racial equality and justice and spent 135 million with minority-owned businesses. We've doubled the hiring of black employees and increased overall representation of underrepresented communities across the company. We're putting equality at the center of our vision for the future of work with success from anywhere. All right. Uh, perfect setup. You talk about you guys are not only just talking, you are walking That's with those right. numbers. And hearkening back to a conversation I had with Craig Cuffey, he actually mentioned those same pillars and those same numbers. So it's, it's something that is definitely a part of the Salesforce culture. But one of the things you said at the end, you, you talk about the future of work. And it's yeah. not just about, you know, the digital you know, transformation of working from home. It feels like there's the opportunity to actually even enhance DEI as we usher in a whole new way of work. Maybe you can expand on that a little bit. Sure, sure. You know, it, when I think about this work for us, it's it's things like the racial equality and justice. But if I even take a step back from that and say, our vision is to be the most inclusive company, you have to have the big audacious goal of getting there. You talked a little bit about that earlier of it's so hard and it feels like companies take steps forward and steps back. But I think you can't lose sight of where you're going. And what we try to do is continue to have that focus on where we're going. Let's not lose sight of that, which means we have to evolve where we're going 
with where the future of work is going. And so the only way to really do that is to make sure that as you're breaking and redesigning your processes, is you're thinking about what does inclusion look like in the future versus what inclusion may have looked like in the office, you have to put equality at the center. And so this is something when we think about all of our people strategies from hiring through to experience, we have to think about, well, what does that mean in our hiring process? If you're going to have people remote in the office, you know, how can we stay connected from everywhere that we're working um, so that we can be successful from anywhere we're working? And so, you know, when we think about that in true practical reality, it's how do you think about those connections? How do you make sure that you keep your culture alive? What are those strategies? And I think for us, it starts with this notion of equality at the center. But then I, I probably say the question I get for most people is, okay, that sounds well and good, but what do you actually mean? Um, and so for me, it really is about hiring plus experience. It's about what are the ways that we attract people to come and work in our company? How do we make sure what we say is what we do? And then from an experience perspective, we want to make sure that it's not just about getting you in the door, but we want you to stay. We want to make sure that we are figuring out through our data, um, where are those barriers? How do we think about, you know, this barriers to entry from an attraction perspective? What are the challenges? My gosh, the society has been overwhelming. I can't even say months. It feels like now it's gone on to years. So how do we make sure that we're thinking about what's happening outside? The reality is it's happening inside. And so how do we prepare our managers to be empathetic and supportive? How do we make sure we're being thoughtful about opportunities? How do we make sure that managers have these sort of new skills and competencies we're asking them to have to manage in a different way? And then how do we make sure that we're continuing to listen deeply to our employees? Because I can sit over here in my virtual square all day long guessing what people want, but I actually need to ask the questions and then I actually need to listen. Um, and so that's just a constant mechanism of, you know, training ourselves to do that deep listening and then making sure that we have those mechanisms to continue to bring it in um, to the way we're redesigning our work. And it may be everything from how do we connect and are we intentional in the offices to how do you make sure you're still being inclusive to people who might be on a Zoom call when maybe two thirds are in an office and another one third are spread across the world in different time zones. So all of those things together are the inputs, I would say, to ensuring that we're thinking about equality and inclusion as we're thinking about the future of work. When you think about, um, there's kind of two aspects that when, you, when I think about kind of uh, some of the issues around employees and, and giving them, first of all, the opportunity to get in the door and then yeah. provide them with really rich experiences for working, but also providing opportunities to move up the ranks and uh, get into the, the executive leadership. And it feels like, generally speaking, not, I'm not talking about Salesforce, just generally yeah. speaking, it, 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 that's been a huge struggle to get over like three or 4% when it comes yeah. to the underrepresented uh, black and browns. Uh, and then it's even more uh, of a challenge 
to, to move up the ladder. Right. Uh, how are you seeing the future work impacting that, those kind of two tracks? Yeah, well, I think some of it, again, comes back to experience and being intentional about careers. So we, uh, a couple of years ago, we uh, launched a program called The Warm Line, very specifically focused on our Black, Latinx, Indigenous, multi-race, and our LGBTQ plus community, including women of all races. And, and it was interesting because this program, it's an advocacy and belonging program, really gave us some insights about what the barriers were. Again, we thought we knew, but until you talk to people, and the same team also does exit interviews. And so when you think about those two data sources, okay, what are people, where are people having challenges and why are they leaving your organization? Really making sure that you're paying attention and listening to that is super important. And I will tell you, one of the number one things that comes up is career. And so some of it is, how do I navigate? How do I find sponsors? Um, There's a difference between a mentor that's helping me you know, figure a few things out and a sponsor who's that that person that's talking about me when I'm not in the room, the person who's seeking me out for those opportunities. And so as we started to hear some of that feedback, part of what we're doing is figuring out how you get really intentional about those kinds of programs. How do you teach leaders how to be a sponsor? How do you teach employees how to have that conversation and to have that clarity about what they want their career to be. Because I think what we've realized is that there's accountability on both sides. Sometimes people have that, you know, I was talking to a group this morning that was sharing with me, Lori, we have the, I feel like an imposter sometimes, that sort of age old imposter syndrome. I'm not sure if I'm qualified, so I didn't apply for the job. We're saying, oh man, it's 60%, you apply for that job, don't wait till you're 100%. And so some of it is like, you know, building up that confidence, locking arms with people, really being those sponsors that are encouraging people and being their champions, helping them prepare along the way to so that they are best prepared for those opportunities. Um, and then on the leader side, you know, how do you really work with your leaders and say, is your network diverse, both internally and externally? And we all have our own personal lived experiences. We all show up with the networks that we've naturally grown. As you alluded to earlier in tech, our networks may or may not be that diverse. And so how do we get really intentional about saying, how do I meet people externally so that when those roles come up, I know who those big names in the industry are. And then internally, how do we make sure we're thinking about everything from succession planning to proportional slates. And, and that's, an, you know, something that we've just started talking a lot about, you know, a lot of people used to be like, we'll have one woman or one person of color. Like that doesn't work. We know already through so many studies that it's actually about being proportional, which means about being intentional in your sourcing so that you have talent pools that are really diverse. And so that, you know, when those leaders have these jobs open you know, what our recruiting teams can do is they become so much more sophisticated and our recruiting team, you know, best in the industry, they really went through a whole transformation of 22 different initiatives to make sure that, you know, we were thinking about careers both externally and internally so that we're really thinking about that talent on demand when our leaders are ready to hire. 
And so I would say that's part of the piece that we think about in terms of careers. And then the other piece I would say is sometimes people are waiting for some big event. Like this is going to be how people move up in the organization. And what I tell all of the, I'll lovingly refer to them as the mushy middle, those hiring managers, the managers, senior managers, directors, senior directors, like every day, every one of you have the power to ensure that your teams are more diverse. And so look around your team. If you don't have widespread representation, go out and get it. If you don't know how to do it, ask the resources within your organization to help you. I guarantee there's someone in your organization that knows where this talent is. Go find them and get connected to it because it's not going to be me in my position, Brent, that's actually going to change it. It's literally every hiring manager in every organization by them making a different choice, both in hiring and in promotion, that's actually going to change the makeup of our organizations. You know, one thing that I, I think Salesforce has really done a great job with is the kind of the outreach and building these uh, communities, uh, like helping folks get hands on with the technology, get experience with the technology. You had the, the kind of the overarching trailblazer community. But you yeah. also have these kind of uh, constituent groups that are also connected and have an opportunity to, you know, learn. Like I think there's one around Saturday coding Saturdays and 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 really doing outreach in the communities and being able to kind of bring them under the umbrella, but they still are, are have an opportunity to kind of fit into to what they do as a community as a group of people. Absolutely. So part of the strategy in getting to the vision is how we engage our stakeholders. So that's an intentional pillar. And to your point, it's through our partner community, it's through our trailblazers, it's through our customers. And it, you know, how do we go together? How do we actually lock arms? Because again, this isn't something that we can solve alone. We've got to do it through our communities. And um, you've been around us a long time. You know, we have our one, one, one model. Um, where part of our culture is volunteer time off. We intentionally um, have our employees spend time together, whether it's through civic engagement and getting out the vote, or it's through some of our volunteer activities, adopting schools. But we do try to make sure that we have connections through all of our different stakeholders because we feel like that's the way we're going to be able to have impact if we only impact what's within our four walls or within our four screens here, you know, we're not going to be able to have or be able to amplify the impact. But it is through some of these specific initiatives. Um, one of the ones we've been really focused on recently is around our partner collective impact initiative. And so this is with our partner community because we know all of our partners in our Salesforce ecosystem, they're also spending time out in their communities out with their trailblazers, building up and transforming, creating workforce opportunities in this, again, future of work. And as we're continuing to bring people into the Salesforce ecosystem, we want to be able to amplify that through our partners so that, you know, many of them are small businesses. They don't have to go it alone, but how do they join in in the partner ecosystem through their philanthropy, through their climate action, through the, all of the work they're doing um, with through education or workforce development, how do we create those 
common forums so people don't have to recreate the wheel. And so, you know, how do we focus on that infrastructure so that people can um, move this work forward again without having to figure it out? We want to make sure we're creating a lot of that um, opportunity to, to create those connections and amplify that work. And so that's just it's a constant in, in it's a way that we go together um, again, in particular with our customers who are also trying to meet these same goals and are also considering the future of work as well. We're all trying to solve the same problems. All right. So you have, you know, programs for employees, programs to grow leaders and move them into executive positions, programs for uh, training uh, folks who are not sales or Salesforce employees, but to get them the expertise with the platform so they can find jobs and create their own opportunities. Then there's also uh, diverse suppliers yeah, who, uh, you know, actually sell to uh, Salesforce, their products and services. And you have uh, the entrepreneur, the tech entrepreneurs, folks mm-hmm. looking for capital, looking for an opportunity. How, where, do, where do those pieces fit into this puzzle of DEI? A- absolutely. So you've probably heard even through your previous discussions with my colleague, Craig, you know, we did actually set an intentional goal um, around investing in our small minority-owned businesses. And so uh, last year, we had a goal of doubling. This last year, we did more than 50%. This year, we're tracking to beat that more than 25% growth. And so it continues to be a focus area. And to your point, it's not just supporting them and engaging them in our work, hiring them in as suppliers. But there's also a very close partnership with our Salesforce Ventures team and in the investments they're making to whether it's grow our partner community, grow our supplier community. And so that strategy around equality, it's it permeates through all of these different things. And it might be as simple as you know, our Salesforce Ventures teams, they ask questions around what are your goals if we're going to invest in you? What are your DE&I goals? What is your representation? What are the things you're doing to invest in climate justice or climate action? And so sometimes it may not even be us making an investment. Sometimes it's the questions we ask influence how those small business are prioritizing or thinking about, um, you know, where they're making their own investments so that they can be part of our ecosystem. So it, it, you know, in the best of times, it becomes this very positive, vicious cycle where all of our goals start to amplify each other. And a few small tweaks and a few small questions actually change the outcomes and the priorities of those in our broader ecosystem. And again, that's how this work starts to cycle on itself, because, again, Salesforce isn't going to do it alone. But if we can influence it in these small ways, through the questions we ask or through our own requirements, hopefully our goal is that it starts to impact the broader ecosystem and has that positive impact in our industry as well. Because we don't have it perfect. <laughs> We're just trying to do our small part to influence where we can. <laughs> right, hey, that's, we, we, if, we, if everybody thought like that, we'd be a lot further along. Let's put it like that. Uh, hello, Christina and Atlanta. All right. Oh, Mr. Yeah. Guzman. Hello, Guzman. I met Mr. Guzman. Oh, my gosh. We're talking at least 10, 15, no, 15 years ago when he was at the Minority Business Development Agency. Nice to see oh. you, sir. Uh, wow. Nice. Yeah, very nice. Um, okay. 
there's a lot of pieces there's a lot of components here um tell me you know what are some of the biggest challenges re remaining or what are the things that you wish you could do better what are some of the areas where you know we, we we're doing on uh, you know on net net very positive but what are some of the areas that you wish you could improve on with this well look this is a journey um, a marathon, uh, as we were talking about earlier. And I think there's always opportunity. You know, you don't want perfect to be the enemy of the good, but at the same time, um, you know, we have to keep ourselves accountable. And so when I think about this work overall, especially right now, you know, I, I got to tell you, there've been a couple of uh, articles recently and some research talking about how companies are in these macroeconomic times of inflation and you hear about layoffs and things, you know, one of the most important things to me is that, you know, equality is a value and I do not want to lose sight of it. And so while other companies and other industries are, are struggling to keep their racial equality and justice two years on top of mind, for me, my biggest goal is to make sure this stays front and center for us. Equality is a value. And um, we want to continue on with our investment. And, you know, it was important for us recently to really send a signal to our employees and to our broader ecosystem that, hey, just because things are happening in the macroeconomic environment, we were not going to let ourselves off the hook. And so you might have seen we just announced a goal of 40 percent women and non-binary employees by the end of 2026. And this is now in partnership with all those racial quality and justice goals we made a few years ago. We want to make sure we're thinking about the intersectionality. And again, as we continue to grow and as we're like everybody else kind of pushing through what's happening in macroeconomic sense, we want to make sure everybody knows we still mean it. This is not something that's going to fall by the wayside. This is something we must continue to be vigilant on. And it's hard, right? There's so much pressure, pressure with our customers, pressure in the ecosystem. And we want to make sure that we are letting everybody know just because times are tough, equality doesn't change. Our values don't come and go. Um, we don't just do it when it's easy. It's something that we want to make sure we're really steadfast on. And so I would say, uh, you know, that's something. How do we work with our sales teams? How do we connect with our leaders so that everybody knows how to have that conversation? Everybody knows how to think about this work in the context of the broader priorities, because we don't want to waver. We want to continue to stay focused. And for us, it's not just about the programs. It is about that accountability and making sure that we're continuing to hold ourselves accountable, both from a public reporting and transparency perspective, but also, you know, this year we held our leaders accountable financially through our environmental, social and governance goals, our ESG goals, and so not taking our eye off the ball of both sustainability and equality, um, we made sure that our EVPs have a, a set of goals. And so, again, regardless of what's happening macroeconomically, those goals stand. Their compensation still stands and still connected. And so that doesn't waver. Um, and I guess maybe the second thing I'll mention is just exactly where you mentioned earlier, which is senior leadership. We need to make sure that we're setting the right tone at the top. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it's harder today than it was six months ago. Um, but we cannot lose sight of making sure we have representation at our senior most levels. 
um, and that we're continuing to monitor our progress. And so, um, you know, Salesforce will be the same. We still have our monthly dashboards that go out telling people how they're doing. Um, we still look at our promotion cycles and make sure that there's inclusive promotions and, you know, where we're having hot spots or maybe where we're not doing as well. We use our data, we use our insights. And of course, our employees tell us loud and clear where we're not doing well. And we make sure that, you know, these are the places where we pivot our investments um, because, you know, we have to be responsible and accountable shareholders too. And so it may be that we can't do everything at once, but it comes down to prioritization and how do we leverage those insights and how do we leverage our data so that we may not be able to be all things to all people, but the things that are really important and the areas where we want to make sure we have, we want to make sure we're, we're not losing sight of that progress. We're doubling down and we're making those investments um, so that employees can see that what we say is what we do. So it's, it's a, a lot of it is about being intentional and not being afraid to maybe not invest in a, in one place because we have to reinvest someplace else. I mean, I think this work again, to be responsible shareholders, we have to be responsible business leaders and we have to do the same balancing act that everybody does around our priorities, but it doesn't mean we stop prioritizing and it doesn't mean we don't hold ourselves accountable. So it's uh, you know, we're here to have the same business results. Um, but that means a quality results for us. Yeah. So Salesforce is a wildly successful company. And in most cases, when you are one of the leaders in your industry and, and you know, really the ones that people are following, they try to replicate a lot of what the, the lead dog does. Yeah. When it comes to this area, it doesn't feel like it. Are you seeing... Do you feel like you are starting to see more uh, companies operate with DEI as a foundational core piece of the business? Or does it still feel like, in most cases, it's still pretty disconnected from the, from the business? Yeah, I think there's a mixed results, I would say. I've seen um, some companies really lean in. And I think make good investments and continue um, their focus and intention in this area. Um, but I've also been a little disappointed, I would say. You know, there was a couple of articles that came out a couple of weeks ago actually talking about the attrition of people in this job and chief diversity officer jobs. Um, and, and I think it's rough um, for a lot of people. Um, you know, again, how do you keep that focus in this macroeconomic environment? Um, and what I would say to, you know, my fellow travelers in this area is, you know, don't let your leaders off the hook. Um, and if we need to lock arms and go together, this is where we lock arms and go together. Because I think as an industry, we have a lot of work to do. And, um, you know, I think we're stronger and better together. Um, when we're not so precious about it, but we can also, you know, find ways to, to have impact together. I think it goes a long way. And so I hope more will lean into it. Um, my door is open. Um, I know we're doing a lot with our partners. I know we're doing a lot with some of our customers. Um, but as an industry, I think we have, we continue to have opportunity. Um, and, uh, you know, I hope to learn from others who figured it out and, 
you know, I hope I can share um, where we found some things that are working. What, what I would say is we need to stop admiring the problem and we need to continue acting on the problem and, and be have an action towards bias. And again, not to get too precious about our programs, it's actually about the work. Where do we need to do some breaking and redesigning? And uh, again, it may not be perfect, but it's still progress. We can't lose sight of that. All right. Well, going back to being wildly successful, you guys have been doing this stuff for years and revenue is still increasing and growing. You know, the business is doing well as you've integrated this in. Yeah. Do you, is there a correlation there? Do, do you feel like, you know, the business is in a better position because of the things that you've done? Even, you know, even looking at it through the traditional lens of financials, because it just feels like, you know, from the beginning, companies have looked at DEI as more of a cost as yeah. opposed to a, 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 a generator or a central piece of the business. But you guys have done that and you have benefited, it feels like, from that. And it just feels like, well, if you guys are doing it and, and you've been wildly successful, why do yeah. the questions remain? You know, it's a good question, actually. Um, for us, I mean, look, people, many people come to work for Salesforce because of our values. Um equality, sustainability, our innovation, our customer success. And, you know, our number one value is trust. And, and so when we talk to why do people come work for us, um, a lot of it is because of our values. Um, and, and again, I think it's that balance of how do you integrate it into the business? It shouldn't be a separate what you do to your exact point. It's got to be about how you do what you do. And, you know, I, I was speaking with somebody recently and they said, oh, my goodness, but, you know, don't you focus on your inclusive language trainings and don't you focus. And, and what I try to say to them is, yes, but I start with the business. Like, where do we align with our business results? We know that our customers are looking for a more diverse sales organization. And so we start to track our representation of our account executives. On a weekly basis, not only do our um, sales leaders report out their numbers, they report out their representation. Because we do so much hiring, this is an opportunity for them to share that. Um, not only do we look at, you know, again, our business results, but we also look at our representation. Those are part of our corporate goals. And so when you line it up side by side, it actually, you're already demonstrating, you're setting that tone at the top that it's just as important. And I think that's where it starts is there. And then it's it's actually the less sexy work that's the kind of rolling up your sleeves, you know, the one manager at a time, one employee at a time, you know, it's sort of, you know, in that mushy middle that is the where you can do the best work. It's not mm -hmm. about, you know what's this one thing that fixed it? It's really the multitude of things that come together. And, um, and I think you have to really push yourself on those small wins, you know, because those small wins, right. It starts to build your, 
your momentum. And, and that's what I hope other companies will learn and take away um, because that's really what's benefited our business. And um, in looking at it, it's not one person's you know issue to solve. It's each one of us every day making a conscious decision, an intentional decision to the way we hire and then the way our employees experience our organization. Those are the two most powerful things that people can do. And to your point, those are the ways that you start to add value to your organization. It's much harder to be inclusive when you don't have representation. When you have <laughs> representation and people can learn from each other and be curious about those lived experiences, that's actually the power of this work. That's when you start to see those amazing business results because you're now looking at solving your customers' issues through the lens of many lived experiences, not one myopic way of thinking about the world and that's the power of it quite frankly yeah we're gonna have to wrap up in, in a couple of minutes but uh as baby boomers and gen zers you know people like me as we start to kind of age out and retire hopefully in a nice retirement or something <laughs> hopefully um and more of the millennials and the gen z's and the what they call the generation alphas start to come in. Do you think that it will be easier to incorporate some of the things that we've talked about into companies because the younger generation is a, a little bit more open and actually maybe even more expecting of this inclusive, equal, diverse kind of atmosphere for them to want to work at these companies in the future? Absolutely. I mean, we, um, I love meeting with our future force teams because um, they, they tell us, I mean, when you talk about the future of work, you want to know what the future of work is, go sit down with your interns <laughs> and <laughs> your programs and they will tell you what they expect. And I do think they're more vocal. I, I think you're spot on their expectations. We're starting to see that it's, um, you know, it's interesting. We have through our equality groups, our employee resource groups, we have a group called GenForce and, um, and it's all generations. Um, and it's really interesting because you can start to see how those conversations play out um, because you see people, you know, really thinking about everything from whether or not people want to work in the office to their expectations of diversity Um to just even how they think about flexibility um, and representation and how projects should be assigned. I mean, they're very innovative in how they're thinking about how we do this work and how we think about this work. And so I think it's an evolution. I think we'd be remiss, honestly, not to spend some time um, with, the, with the, the, the folks who are newer to our organizations because they are telling us what they expect and they are telling us what success of business is going to look like because not only are they our future employees, they're also our future consumers. And so they're the best place for us to get the best information about expectations of innovation, expectations of representation, and oh, by the way, what they want their workplace to look like. Um, and so, you know, again, I think we should spend a lot more time deeply listening so that um, you know, again, we're intentional as we continue to evolve. And, uh, you know, as a, as a Gen Xer, I, I was 
you know, that. And, and I would also say it made a lot of sense. I started hearing people say, oh, the millennials are just going to pass over the Gen Xers because there's so many more of them than there are of us. Oh, no. um, so we may not have our day as Gen Xers, <laughs> I'm hearing. But, uh, but again, to your point, I think the millennials are going to show us how to do it. And the Gen Zers are not going to have patience for us to learn. So we're going to have to get our acts together pretty quickly as companies to make sure that we're delivering to them as customers and we're understanding what they need from the future of work so that we can continue to be that best place to work. If we don't listen or think we're going to tell them, we're going to miss the boat. You know, full stop. All of us will. <laughs> right. Lori, this has been great. Uh, I should ask, you know, uh, six months, 12 months, year or two, uh, wh what do you look to focus on and, and, and help the impact at Salesforce from a DEI perspective? And um, for me, there's two things. So one is representation at that leadership level. It's I'm keenly focused on it. Um, well, we've moved the dial. We met one of our goals around doubling Black VP plus representation. We're not moving fast enough. So that's one thing I want to continue to focus on and accelerate. And the second thing is um, we're a global company, and you know DEI in the U.S is not the same as the E&I around the world. And so how do we really localize equality so that it's relevant and meaningful in all of the countries where we do business? And how do we get intentional, well, not sort of pushing American values and culture into other countries, how do we still, to your point earlier, sort of lead that way and really spend time deeply listening and understanding what's relevant and important in other cultures and countries, and how do we help accelerate that journey? Again, while being mindful and respectful of local cultures, and um, you know, it's a nuanced balance and something we want to do right and carefully, but something that I think is really important to our teams. And um, again, to your point earlier about you know how do we be successful as a global company? I think this is something companies you can't lift and shift what you're doing in the U.S. You have to be really thoughtful thoughtful and intentional so that you're making that that real business driven connection in other countries so that we can make the same magic with our customers with our partners in our communities um, with equality at the center in those countries just as we have um, in the U.S. so that's the those are the two top things and uh, you know I hope anybody on the line that wants to lock arms and make those connections please reach out, find me on LinkedIn. I know we're streaming on LinkedIn as well because um, I'd love the ideas and innovations and uh, ways that we can lock arms and support each other. I'm all in. We're, we're in it to win it here, people. <laughs> Where can people learn more about what Salesforce is doing? Because I know there's, there's just so much. You got, you got events, you've got reports, you've got research. Where can people go to learn more? Um, our equality.com website. Um, you also, we record a lot of our dream force, a lot of the clips that you found as well. We publish through our website. Um, we do a quarterly update uh, to our equality.com website. So it's all of our data, plus our latest happenings around our racial equality and justice are out there as well. Um, we also make available through um, Salesforce Plus all of our um, interviews and sessions that happen through our events like Trailblazing Women and Representation Matters. So 
join Salesforce Plus, but then also through our equality.com website, you can, we make as much as we can available to everyone. Lori, thanks so much. This has been a great conversation. Thanks to everybody who participated. And I have to apologize because we, had, we just had a limited amount of time and there's some really interesting, I would have loved to bring Mr. Guzman in. Mr. Guzman, sorry, we just can't do it at this time. Maybe we can do it some other time. And Scott Wilder had some uh, an interesting question we couldn't get to. Scott, thanks for uh, for chiming in and, and being a part of this. Just thanks to everybody who, who uh, was out there watching. Uh, Lloyd, thanks again. And maybe uh, since I am coming to Dreamforce, it would be great to actually you know, shake your hand and see uh, actual in, in live as opposed to just virtual here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I can't wait. And thanks to everybody out there doing this work. And um, it takes all of us every day and all of our actions that are going to keep making a difference. So keep up the work out there and, um, you know, keep making a difference because uh, we all matter. Every, every piece of work matters uh, to move this work forward. So thank you all for all of your efforts and everything. All right, folks. I will see you later this week with CRM Players. Have a great rest of the week. Bye. Bye, everyone.